welcome back to the Sweat and Sauvignon podcast. This episode is going to be solo, so prepare yourself for a long time with just my voice. But I want to take a second to talk about our lovely sponsor who makes this episode even possible, Two Bears Coffee. You know the drill. You know I'm obsessed with their products. You know that you need to try them. So head over to twobears.ca. Use my code SWEAT15 for 15% off your entire order. And that's it. Buy yourself some coffee. And I also want to talk about the product of the week. So this one relates to today's topic because it's a book that I read pretty much every day after my brother Stuart passed away almost a year and a half ago. And it's called Journey to the Heart by Melody Beattie, I think her name is. I'll link it down below. You can just buy it on Amazon, actually. But she lost her son and she wrote this book afterwards. And it's just a really beautiful collection of daily lessons on love and on loss. And even if you haven't lost someone or understand grief, like someone who has lost a loved one, um, it's just a really beautiful collection of teachings. So I would highly recommend it. I found it really grounding for myself um, the first couple months after my brother passed away because it was something that I did every day and I wasn't working. I didn't really have that much of a schedule. So just doing that every single morning, it was somehow grounding to me and comforting. She writes so beautifully. So it was just a really nice morning thing. I would do it from bed. It was great. And let's get into the episode now. I unfortunately am very passionate about this subject and it's really close to my heart. I know it all too well, but it's going to be all about grief. And I actually received a DM from one of you asking how, how I dealt with the loss of my brother and any tips that I have to share. So I'm going to just speak from my heart. I don't really have anything prepared, um, but I'm just going to go into a couple tips. I mean, to be honest, I don't think that I'm an expert on healing. I think I did a lot of things wrong. And looking back now, I wish I did it so differently. Healing is just such a unique journey that it's not going to work for everyone what I do um, or the tips that I have. So you know, take what you want, leave what you want, just know that it's up to you to kind of heal and and try things that help you to heal. Um, but I also want to mention that people expect you to just get over a loss, to start living your life after a couple months. And, you know, it's sad, but like, get over it. And people give you a grace period for a couple months and ask if you're okay. But then after that, they've gotten over it. So they kind of expect you to get over it, which is not the case. Healing, there's no destination. There's no end point to healing. That hole in your heart from losing a close loved one will never fully heal. It's just not possible. But you will learn how to live again and find joy and and not let it affect your everyday existence like it does in the beginning. But I have to say, even now, even you know, a year and a half after my brother passed away, I still have bad days where I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything where all I think about is you know the regret I have around his death, around his life, things I wish I did, the what if questions, all of these things. And it sometimes feels impossible and you will have those days probably, you know, forever, which is really shitty to say, but it's just the truth. But not every day is going to be like that. I think people have a false understanding that time heals all wounds, but I think time gives you the ability to live again and, but it doesn't heal, if that makes sense. So when my brother first passed away, obviously that's 
when it's like the most shocking and fresh. But time brings acceptance, peace, um, and it slowly begins to fill that overwhelming grief in your heart with happy memories. So, you know, the, the first six months after he passed away, I I couldn't look at a sunset and not think of him. And it always made me so sad because I was like, he'll never experience that. So every little thing that I did in my life that was joyful, like watching the sunset or eating a really nice dinner or going on like a beautiful hike with my dog, everything seemed tainted by the loss because I knew that he would never experience that again. And losing someone, it steals your joy for a really long, long time. And it almost makes you feel guilty for living when they're not around to experience that joy. But one thing that really helped me with that is thinking about my brother and what he would want for me. And he would never want me to live my life missing out on those joyful moments because I felt guilty. He would be so pissed at me if I couldn't enjoy my life and couldn't have a nice dinner with girlfriends or go out drinking or watch a goddamn sunset and feel sad. Like he would not want me to not live my life because his life was taken. So that really helped just to, you know, connect with the joyful side of of life, if that makes sense. I guess what I'm really trying to say is you will not live for a little while after you lose someone that you love, but you will survive. However that looks like for you, you will get through the day and you will find strength that you actually never knew was possible until you were faced with having to be that strong. Um, I think we all really doubt ourselves on just how much strength we innately have because we've never really been forced to face it head on and to be that strong. But when you lose someone, you are put into that situation and you will surprise yourself with just being able to survive. And that won't last forever, just surviving through life. You will eventually get to a place where you will find joy again. And I mean, just that tip, I guess, really helped me to to understand my brother wouldn't want me living this way. He wouldn't want me to just be surviving. He would want me to be thriving and living and enjoying my life. Someone told me a couple months after he passed away, it was my art therapist, actually, and I was telling her all of these feelings that I had of, you know, I, I felt guilty every time I had my morning cup of coffee because he wasn't around to have that first amazing sip, which sounds silly, but it, it's just how grief works. And she told me something that I feel called to tell all of you, that the best way to honor my brother's life is to live my life and he would want me to thrive as I said Um, and that really helped me to just try to connect with joy again without those feelings of immense guilt. At first everything will feel really hard you know the simplest things like getting out of bed and making a coffee, eating breakfast, paying bills, like it all feels so hard because your mind isn't in your body. Like you are, you're not there. You're somewhere else in your grief. You're lost in your grief. But I think for me, just the important thing about experiencing that was just taking it one step at a time. Like Thinking of the tasks that you have to do that day and not even, you know, your work tasks or chores or whatever, but really breaking it down to the simplest steps like getting out of bed and walking the dog. Like, you know, 
those simple daily tasks of living, just break it down one by one. Like, okay, you got out of bed. Good. Now what's next? Okay, coffee. Like, don't think about everything that you have to do because it will be so overwhelming. And to someone who hasn't experienced grief, I I don't think they understand how difficult just like getting through the day is, even if you don't have anything hard to do, like mundane tasks, like tasks of living are so difficult. And yeah, so I, I would just say break it down task by task, like do not overwhelm yourself when you're really struggling. And even on days now, a year and a half later, I sometimes have to go back to that way of thinking of, okay, I'm not going to be productive today. And I'm just going to accept that because I can't handle anything that's going to overwhelm me. So I really just break it down into the simple tasks of living. (laughs) And that probably includes like a six hour Netflix binge or something. But like, at least you're getting through the time and you're like doing something. Something that I've really had to work on too is not judging myself. So I know that on days where I'm really struggling, if all I can do in a day is binge on a show for six hours, like I said, um, I'll probably feel really guilty about it. Like I didn't do enough during that day. Like I missed my workout. I didn't take my dog on a long enough walk, like that kind of thing. But I've really been trying to give myself a break and just have a little compassion for myself and picture myself like a friend. Would I ever tell a friend like, oh my God, you're struggling with the loss of your brother? Fucking get off the couch. No, I would never say that. I would say, give yourself a break. Do what you need to do. Just give yourself a little love like you would other people and really picture yourself as a loved one and talk to yourself like you would someone that you love. I mean, even this podcast episode, it was supposed to be released like two weeks ago and I announced it and everything, but I was actually really struggling with um, grief for the last little while and some bad days and I didn't feel like I was in a place to share with anyone or to talk about it. So I felt really guilty, but I also had to tell myself, no, this is what you need. Your cup isn't full enough to share it with others. So fill up your cup first and then you can share. One of the biggest mistakes that I made in my healing journey was going back to work way too soon. I tried to go back, I think, less than a month after it happened or maybe just around the month mark because I felt like I was letting my coworkers down, my team down, and they were picking up the slack for me and probably needed my presence at work um, to take things off their plate. But when I actually went back to work, I was such a scatterbrain. I, I think, too, I was really trying to just stay back busy and like stay focused on other things and it just did not work for me I I could not do that so I would definitely say give yourself space to grieve give give yourself as much time as you can possibly give yourself if it's financially available to you just do it you will not regret it in the long run because I really believe that you know when we go back to work too soon or try to keep busy because we're having all of these feelings that we don't want to feel. We're just repressing them and it's going to be like a volcano effect later. I know that that happened to me a lot where I I just didn't want to feel it. So I did other things to distract myself, to numb out and it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, eventually you're going to have to sit with those feelings that are really fucking hard and it sucks, but You have to feel it to heal it. And speaking of numbing out, my family and I were experts at that. We drank so much after his death. Like even the week after his death, we we would have like Baileys in our coffee every single morning. We just were drinking 
at night, drinking all day long, and it's just not healthy. And like, give yourself a break if you're doing that at first, for sure. Like, you can't judge yourself for your coping mechanisms. But at the same time, I know for myself, I continued drinking for the next year. And I never was, I was only ever really a social drinker. I'd have the odd glass of wine at home, but on a weeknight, I never really would indulge by myself. It would only be when I was going out with my friends or when I was going out to dinner with my family, that kind of thing. But after his death, I relied so heavily on drinking by myself every night. And I'd have to stop myself at half a bottle of wine because I was easily drinking a bottle of wine to myself. And you don't want to feel it. You want to focus on something else. Like I would park myself in front of a show all night long, just drink a ton of wine, and then go to bed kind of drunk. And It worked for me for a little while until I realized, holy shit, this is so unhealthy. I'm really hurting myself here. So I would really recommend writing out all of your coping mechanisms, your ways of the ways that you numb yourself and then write out your healthy coping mechanisms. Like what can you do that's a little bit healthier than your current ways of coping? And everyone is so different, so I'm not really going to give you any tips and tricks on how to figure that out, but I would highly recommend talking to a therapist, talking to someone just about what's healthy versus what's not. And I'm actually currently taking a trauma-informed yoga teacher training course, which has been amazing. And I just want to say that losing a loved one is a trauma, and we actually store trauma in our bodies. I would highly recommend reading the book, The Body Keeps the Score. I'll link all of the books or resources I mentioned in the description, by the way. But basically that book talks about how our bodies store trauma, and that includes losing a loved one, even if it was expected. It's still a traumatic event in your life. I mean, mine... The loss of my brother was very unexpected, but if you're in a situation where someone is sick and you lose them, that is still a trauma and your body will store it. And one of the most effective ways is to move through trauma, physically move. And I will only speak about my own experiences with that um, because I feel like that was my healthiest coping mechanism after my brother passed away. So I I used two different kinds of movement at the beginning. So one of them was finding a crazy workout class where the music is pumping, the instructors are screaming at you, the lights are going, basically where you're doing intense, crazy cardio and your focus just immediately shifts to like what you're doing and like sprinting on a treadmill and thinking you're going to pass out or like, you know, not that crazy, but like, you know what I mean? Um, Like a really intense movement practice because I found that when I couldn't handle the emotions and I needed space to just shift my focus from being in this magnitude of overwhelming grief when I needed just a break from it that was healthy I would turn to that kind of movement practice so for me it looked like a berries class that was ideal for me but you could do hit you could do whatever you wanted so that's number one number two was a movement practice that really was slow and connected my mind, my body, my soul, my spirit, my physical self to my emotional self, essentially. So for me, that looked like yoga. And it was really powerful for me just to be in my body because I feel like grief takes you out of your body and you're just overthinking. You're you're constantly in a state of stress and overwhelm and you're reliving that trauma all of the time in your head. So for me, I found yoga to be 
so good just to chill out, to connect my mind to my body, to try to just relax myself. So yin yoga, restorative yoga were my number ones, but even a more uh, vinyasa type flow was effective because it just, it connects your mind and body. That's what yoga is all about. And maybe I'm biased because I'm doing a yoga teacher training, but even before then I found that to be incredibly effective. So I would really try to figure out some movement practices for yourself that work for those two different things and asking yourself what you need. Like maybe one day you need a slower yoga flow. Maybe the next day you need to be screamed at in a Barry's class. And for me, it was always really different. Um, But I highly recommend reading that book, The Body Keeps the Score, and finding movement practices that work for you. I also, I found running really helpful in a weird kind of way. I kind of figured that running would make me shift my focus to just the run and not actually think about my grief and be kind of an intense, like that first form of movement that I talked about that shifts your focus. But for me, running alone without an instructor an instructor or a guide actually made my emotional mind connect to my body. So what I would do is I would run, at the time I was living at my parents' house where I grew up with my brothers. So I would run to the school where my brother went to and I would run to our old house (laughs) where we lived when we were all really little. And I found, um, I just connected so much to the memories that I had with my brother and I know it's it sounds kind of fucked up and I don't I wasn't going to share this but I would actually listen to the playlist that I had created for his funeral um because it just it made me feel like I was honoring his life in some way and honoring his passing and it made me feel like I was remembering him in some sort of way, but I probably looked like such a weirdo because I would stop at our old house and just like look in the window and try to remember what it was like living there when my brother was around, you know, when we were like a family of five and yeah, just like honor those memories because I think when we try to not talk about our loved one, when we try to just numb ourselves out and not think about their memory, it almost like erases them. You know, I I think it's, it's been so helpful for me just to do little things like running to my old house where we grew up together, things like that, like buying his favorite beer and keeping it in my fridge, like little things like that make me feel like I am honoring his memory. And I think that's been a huge part of my healing process, not erasing him. And I'm not saying that erasing their memory for the first little while is a bad thing because I think some of us have a really hard time talking about our loved ones without breaking down. But for me, it was really helpful just to to be constantly honoring him um, in a way. And it kind of brings me to my next tip about creating little rituals for them, um, ways to, to honor their memory, to honor their life and celebrate their life. So it's going to look different, obviously, for every single person and based on your loved one's life. But for me, my family and I will always bring his memory up. We'll talk about like funny things that he would say or funny memories, that kind of thing, just to keep him alive and his memory alive. I know that at first, some of my family actually, uh, within the first couple months, like some of them told me they were sorry and gave me condolences, but other people didn't reach out ever. And when I saw them a couple months after he passed away, 
even like my extended family, like they, some of them didn't say a word about him. And I know death makes some people so extremely uncomfortable, which I completely understand and I empathize with. It's a tough conversation to bring up, but it actually hurt more when people that I knew and loved didn't bring up his name and didn't give me some sort of condolences, not because condolences help at all, but it's like, for me, not bringing him up was like, they're trying to erase his memory completely. And I would never want that. I want to be able to talk about him for other people to bring him up, that kind of thing. So I think this is a tip for, for you if you're actually like a friend or a loved one of someone who has um, been dealing with a loss is to bring them up. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Like you can just say, hey, I know nothing that I say is going to make this better, but I just wanted to let you know that I'm thinking about that person all the time and I'm here for you if you ever need it. And that's it. You know, it's not that hard. But I remember one of my cousins last, like the summer after Stuart passed away, my brother, he would constantly bring up memories of Stuart. And it was so nice to just hear other people's experiences with with him and to learn things that I never knew about my brother and like funny stories. That was really healing to me. So highly recommend doing that if you are trying to help someone who has lost someone. And even when people are really uncomfortable about bringing him up, I just do it anyways. And if I have a funny memory that fits with the conversation, I'll bring him up. And I've gotten really used to doing that because most people are really uncomfortable with talking about him. But me and my family, we we just bring him up like all the time. So that's been really helpful for me. And I guess on the topic of other people, I just want to say it's really difficult being a friend or someone close to someone who has lost a loved one. There's no way that you can know what to do or what to say if you're not a grief counselor and trained in it. I totally understand that, that it's a hard place to be in and really confusing because you want to do the right thing and you want to help. But I would just say to those people to just be there and that's it. Like offer your support and don't try to say something that will make it better because nothing's going to make it better, but your support will make all of the difference. And to those struggling with grief or people who have struggled with grief, one of my biggest mistakes in my own process was not asking the people around me for what I needed because the people around you have no idea. They want to help, but they just don't know what to do, what to say. So you have to ask them for exactly what you need. You have to tell them and they're going to be more than happy to help. I promise you. Another one of my biggest mistakes was rejecting help. So a couple of my friends, some loved ones were really trying to be there for me and support me after I lost Stuart. And I didn't want to burden them. I didn't want to put this on them. So I politely (laughs) rejected their help. When I lost my brother, my parents were in Antarctica and Graham, my other brother, was living in Vancouver at the time and I was living in Toronto at the time, still am. It was really difficult being all apart and I was completely alone and I, I had offers from other people to stay with them. But I said no, because I didn't want to burden them. And even, you know, some of my friends tried to come over. I said no. I was literally in my room alone for 48 hours before I could fly to Calgary to start planning the funeral and to meet my family there. And I really wish that I had just taken them up and even if it meant them coming over, saying nothing and just like being with me and watching a movie, I I just, I think that would have been way better than being all alone because that was a really 
isolating place to be in. So I guess what I'm trying to say is lean on the people around you and ask them for what you need and know that you're not a burden. They really do want to help. One thing that I have struggled with as well is feeling like I should be okay. And, you know, it's a year and a half later for me after Stuart's death and I still have really bad days. And I'm not going to lie, I have, I still have a really hard time leaning on other people. I just completely isolate and I, I can't ask for help, which is something I'm working on. But I guess, I guess I struggle with not being a burden, A, and B, feeling like other people have gotten over it, so I should be okay. I shouldn't be feeling like this still. I shouldn't be struggling. It's, you know, time has passed. I should be over it, giving you air quotes. But I use that as an excuse not to tell my friends and my family that I'm still struggling on days where I am or periods of life where I'm really struggling with it. So I guess don't do what I do is my advice here. And really try to lean on other people around you and know that just because time has passed doesn't mean that time heals all wounds, like I mentioned before. And your feelings are valid and it's okay that you're still having trouble. There's no timeline in grief. It's so up and down. It's There's actually a really good analogy for it, which I saw on Pinterest when I was searching grief quotes not too long ago. But it's basically like grief is the ocean. Some days it's super calm. You're swimming with ease. And other days it's so rough and you're fighting to stay above the surface. And that's exactly how grief feels. Like some days are great. Some days you feel like you're just surviving and barely. And speaking of leaning on your family and your friends for support, um, there's nothing more important than seeing a therapist, honestly. Like whoever you are, if you have lost someone and you haven't gone to therapy, I really recommend that you get there yesterday because your friends and family can give you amazing support, but a therapist can really help you to actually work through things. So I know for me, I had and still have a lot of guilt around my brother's passing. I actually never share this, but we were estranged when my brother passed away, which was um, my decision. We had a falling out and, you know, I was actually the one who who called a wellness check on my brother because I was concerned for his safety after hearing a couple things and for his mental health, he, I was concerned and I called the police. I wasn't the only one who called in a wellness check. I was the second person. I don't think it's going to be helpful for you to hear the full story or for me to even share it, but I felt like I had somewhat of a hand in his death that night, that it, if I had changed my actions, it could have been preventable. So I carry that with me. It has haunted me and it continues to haunt me and I have so much regret around uh, that night around our relationship and how we were estranged at the time of his passing. And it's something that I'm constantly working through, um, letting go of that guilt and that feeling of responsibility. And I, I don't know how I would have gotten through the first year and a half without going to therapy. I think it's like life-saving, to be honest, because guilt is so all-consuming. And I feel like even even if you aren't estranged from someone that you've lost or your relationship was really good, I feel like everyone has some sense of guilt over losing a loved one. Like, 
oh, you should have said, I love you more, or we should have said this or done, spent more time together. Whatever it is, I feel like there's always a sense of guilt of what if I had done this? What if, what if, what if? And it, it fucking kills you. It really does. Like, bad language to use, but you know what I mean. It's, it's all consuming. It truly is. And I actually want to share a quote from the book, How to Lose Everything by Krista Couture. She lost two children and wrote this book. It's her memoir. Um, I highly recommend reading it. But she says, you made the best decisions based on the information you had. My therapist would remind me for years as I struggled with regret and responsibility and shame and anger. Did I? I sometimes still need to remind myself of her words. I sometimes still ask, what if? Another kind of thing that helped me with my own guilt was an analogy or a metaphor that my therapist used. And basically, he told me to picture a bridge, picture myself on one end and my brother on the other opposite end. And the bridge is broken. And we only have the tools in our toolkits. We only have the tools that we learned, like the emotional tools that we learned in our childhood and our upbringing. And we didn't know how to fix that bridge. And maybe as we grew older, we would have you know, gotten more tools and we would have been able to fix that relationship before he passed away. But we only had what we had and we can't dwell on that. What I'm trying to say is guilt will be one of the most difficult things about grief um, coming from my own experience. So you just, I really recommend trying to face it head on and work working through it with a professional because your friends and family are hopefully amazing and supportive but a therapist will just help you work through those really intense feelings I have to say talking about my experience with grief is pretty uncomfortable for me I want to be really open and normalize that whole experience and all of those feelings, but it's hard not to feel like other people are going to judge you and think that you're just trying to get sympathy. And I even feel like that with some of my friends, like I don't want to bring it up because I'm scared they're just going to be like, oh, she's, she just needs sympathy. Like she wants us to feel bad for her. But if they are your close friends or if they're good people, they'll know that that's not what you're trying to do. So it's something I'm working through, but just know that the people who are legit are going to be supportive and know that you're not just looking for sympathy. The next thing I want to bring up is a little more uplifting, if that's possible when you talk about death. But one thing that my family and I have done is create a couple traditions. So my brother passed away on December 7th and his birthday is on December 20th. So we actually don't really celebrate the anniversary of his death because it just feels really morbid. But on the day, my mom and I have created a tradition to honor his memory, but not honor his death, if that makes sense. So we celebrate his life. We don't celebrate his death. That just seems kind of fucked up to me. Not saying that it is fucked up, but just in our situation, it didn't feel right. So what we do is make a wreath and decorate it with a couple flowers and things that we find in nature, some sticks, that kind of thing. And then we put it out into the ocean. It's actually a Hawaiian tradition that I learned about through watching The Real Housewives, of all things, but that's beside the point. And I put on like five flowers, uh, one for every member of our family. And yeah, it was just, it just felt really good to honor him and be with my mom. I definitely recommend being with your family on the day of their anniversary. And then my mom and I, 
we opened one of his favorite beers. We had a couple sips, not too many because it was really bad beer. (laughs) Sorry, Stuart. And poured some out for him. We lit a candle, kept it burning all day long. And we talked about our favorite memories of him. And what we do during the Christmas season is we bake Nanaimo bars, which were his favorite. So just like doing those little things that kind of honor what they liked, who they were, and the memories that you have with them is really beautiful. So we made a bunch of Nanaimo bars, gave them away to our friends and family, which was really fun. And then on his birthday, we make a cake and we celebrate his birthday. And that's kind of the day where we focus more of our energy on celebrating him rather than the anniversary of his death, just because it feels like we're honoring his life more. So yeah, I I guess that's what's worked for my family, but take it or leave it, uh, whatever works best for you. But it has been really nice just creating those traditions and new memories around celebrating your loved one. I really believe that your relationship with your loved one doesn't die when they die. You can continue it and continue um, celebrating them and their birthday and all of those things. And I guess after my brother passed away, I really found that I connected so much to the spiritual world way more than I ever have. I mean, I guess in high school and university, I was always known as that like weirdo who was into crystals and signs from the universe, all of that. But I kind of uh, disconnected from that when I graduated and started working for a couple years. But after my brother passed away, I it's almost like you want to believe that there's something more. So you do try to connect with some level of faith. And for me, that was the universe and my spirit guides and my brother who was on the other side. And I read a book called Signs by Laura Lee. I'll link it. And it's basically just different stories of loved ones who have died, who connect with their with their families who are still on earth. And I think for me, I was really open to signs. So I saw them everywhere from my brother and just connecting with him in some way was so beautiful. And it made me realize that he is still around. And even though I can't talk to him, I can't see him. I can still, he can still hear me. And I can't have a conversation with him is what I'm trying to say, but I I can talk to him and continue our relationship on some level. I know that like the very first morning when I learned of his death, I walked out of my bedroom for the first time and there was a dime on the floor and I had just vacuumed my apartment like the night before. I hadn't been out to that room since. Um, so it was really weird and I don't keep change. So I was like, oh, I guess whatever, it's nothing. But then I kept finding coins, like coin after coin. And I was telling my family about it actually, when we were going to the funeral home to pick out his casket. Sounds so morbid, but that's just the reality of it. And we were kind of like laughing because I was like, oh my God, he's so cheap. Like, why doesn't he leave me a dollar at least? Um, And then we were in a room looking at photos of flowers, I think, to go on his casket. And then we left the room to go look at the actual caskets. And when we came back to the original room we were sitting in, my mom found three pennies on her chair. And it was just so weird. No one had been in that room. So it's definitely like he was like, trying to fuck with us being like oh you think I'm cheap like look at me now getting those signs is so special and they still have a sense of humor like I I don't know how many people believe this but anyways I I really do believe in signs from the other side and I know it's helped me so much in my own healing he always leaves me numbers he leaves me coins all the time still it's kind of crazy but it's it's so beautiful and I love those signs I did actually see a couple mediums the year after he passed away and I found it really helpful 
I mean, I believe in all of that stuff, so skip this part if you don't, but I found it really nice just to connect with him, even if it was bullshit, like just feeling like he's still around and he sees what's going on. Um, it was, it was amazing. I guess I have a lot of faith that he's still around because of the story of Boss. That's my dog, if you don't know. Um, he has like a crazy homeward bound type story. And I really believe that Stuart sent Boss back to help me so I could have him in a time where I was really struggling with my own mental health and with grief and all of these things. It was just such perfect timing getting boss back and it's changed my life it's almost made me feel like if my brother was so mad at me for like the night that he passed away or like all the guilt that I was feeling and being estranged from him all of these things if he was truly so angry why would he send his dog back to to be with me it just doesn't make sense so that's really been a huge turning point in my healing journey, uh, just boss's story. It's I made a video on it on my Instagram and TikTok, um, so you can check that out. That was not meant to be a plug, but anyways, if you want to know the story, it doesn't really matter. Um, another thing that I have done to connect with my brother is write letters. So especially the couple months after my brother passed, I would write him letters every single day. And it really helped just to feel like I was talking to him in some way. And another thing I did was I would find rocks on the beach and write on them just little messages to him and throw them in the ocean. And then I I saved a couple of his t-shirts and he was a mechanic, so I have some of his tools that's really nice when I'm really missing him just to wear one of his t-shirts. But I will say your loved one is not their possessions. Their soul is so much more than just what they owned. And it's really hard to let go of their stuff after they pass away. It almost feels like you're trying to erase their memory and just get rid of their stuff. But you're not. I think by honoring their memory over their possessions, that is so much more important. And I know for me and my letters to Stuart, I'll write down the memories that I have with him too and ask him if he remembers them and stuff. And um, so that's really nice just to write down the memories rather than focus on the material items. For my family, it took over a year and a half to actually deal with all of his things. We had a storage unit for a really long time and we recently just kind of dealt with everything, you know, only let go of their things when you're really ready because it does feel like truly the end. So just be compassionate with yourself if you can't yet get rid of their things. But it is nice just to keep a few just to remember them by. This tip obviously isn't going to be for everyone, but I got a tattoo for my brother, um, for my whole family. So there's five people in my family my two older brothers and my parents and me. So I got the word five tattooed on my arm where my brother Stuart had his tattoo. So it's just a really nice way for me to remember that even though Stuart has passed away, we're still a family of five. And I, I just think it's a really nice way to honor him like every day. And I always think of him when I look down. Another thing that my family and I did, we all got matching bracelets just with his initials and his birthday that we wear all the time. And we actually buried a bracelet, the same bra bracelet with Stuart. So we're all connected that way, which is, it was a really beautiful thing. You know, Grief is a funny thing because it makes you experience depths of pain you never thought possible. But at the same time, it's really quite beautiful when you think about it. I'm going to read a poem that I found that kind of describes that. Grief is beautiful because grief is really just love. It's the love you want to give but cannot. It gathers in the corner of your eyes, in the lump in your throat, in the hollow part of your chest. 
Grief is love with no place to go. And what a beautiful thing, how much you will grieve because it encompasses the entirety of love in your heart. I also read a quote that relates by John Mark Green, and it says, Grief is love's shadow, the presence of absence, an unbearable weight of emptiness. And grief and loss, it's basically just love. (laughs) And the pain that you're feeling is love with nowhere to go. And it's incredibly difficult, but incredibly beautiful. Anyways, I hope that this podcast episode, I'm, I'm sorry it was so long, but I hope that this resonated with someone and that it made someone feel a little bit less alone in their struggle with grief, because grief is really inevitable in life. It's one of the only things that is inevitable in this lifetime other than death itself. So yeah, I just, if you have any questions or if you want to tell me about your experience or anything, my DMs are always open. And I just, if you relate to this podcast, I'm so sorry because it means that you understand grief, which is just never a fun place to be, but know that grief as horrifying and difficult as it is, how tragic it is, how it changes your life, it also teaches you about the strength that you have within yourself and it teaches you the value of life. I would never wish it upon anyone, but know that you will be a stronger person because of it. And I will see you in, I guess, two weeks on Monday for an episode that's maybe a little less heavy, probably on like, I don't know, working out or something. But anyways, I will see you then.